the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. We need to make sure that we belong to him. He already knows who he's elected to salvation. But the way that you and I can know that we are his elect is because we see some spiritual growth in our lives. That's exactly what he's saying. We see the evidence of some progress, maybe not as much progress as you'd like. And I don't know anybody who sees as much progress as they'd like. We're all dissatisfied with our spiritual growth in that sense. But if you see some fruit, some evidence of of, of Christ's life, some of these virtues moving in you and through you, then uh, that growth reveals that you do belong to the Lord. Because unbelievers don't grow spiritually. In fact, that's one of the three tests the Apostle John gave us in his first epistle. We should ask ourselves, do I know and trust the real Jesus? Do I have a new and special love for other believers? And do I see a change in my life? Here in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter focuses our attention on that third test as he writes about God's provisions for our spiritual growth. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Our study text is in chapter 1 of 2 Peter, and for the past couple of days, we've been considering verses 8 through 11, where Peter points out the importance of having and developing certain character qualities that he had listed in the preceding verses. In verse 9, Peter said that if a believer lacks those qualities, He is short-sighted and has forgotten his purification from his former sins. Hmm, what's that mean? Here's Pastor Steve now to help us sort it out. Well, what Peter is describing is this. He's describing a believer who, due to his lack of spiritual growth, has become blind to spiritual truth because he has eyes only for the things close up, only for the things of this world. He can't see the, the, the spiritual, eternal truths of the Word of God because all he's looking at is the things around him. All he's concerned about is, is his own pleasure. So yes, he's blind, but he's also nearsighted. In the physical realm, it doesn't happen like that, but in the spiritual realm, it does. He's blind to spiritual truth because his focus is on earthly things. In fact, the Greek word that's translated short-sighted or nearsighted is a word that gives us in our English vocabulary the word myopia, the condition of the eyes in which you can't see at a distance. You can only focus uh, on the things right in front of you. So what Peter is saying is an individual who has earthbound vision has spiritual myopia. Spiritual myopia. He is unable to see eternal truths because all he's looking at are the things close up. And therefore, he's, he's blind. And he's blind to the vital, eternal truths of the Word of God. And the main truth that he's blinded to, Peter says, not the only truth, but this. Notice the end of verse 9. Having forgotten his purification from his former sins. In other words, his failure to grow spiritually has made him so blind that he's lost sight of the purpose for which God has saved him. 
Now, I don't think this means that that this individual can't tell you about his salvation experience. Oh, yes, I remember. I don't think it means that that uh, he he uh, he can't remember his salvation experience. He can probably tell you all kinds of things about it. But he, but what he can't uh, what he fails here is to keep in mind and consider its significance. He's he's lost sight of its significance, not the time frame and things like that, but he's lost sight of considering its significance. And what is the significance of salvation? It is to purify us from our former sins. Not only is it to get you to heaven, not only is it to redeem you, though that's part of it, but it is to transform us. It is to change us from from people who love our sins to people who love the Lord and want nothing to do with sin. Listen, if you aren't growing in the Lord, then you will forget why Christ has saved you. You'll kind of move on in in, in pagan behavior and you'll forget that he saved you to purify you. In fact, let's look at Titus chapter 2. You can find it quickly. You just turn back a few books. It's right after 2 Timothy. Titus chapter 2. And in Titus 2.14, Paul specifically tells us one of the great purposes for which we were saved. This is a great verse. He says in verse 14, speaking of, of Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed, Jesus died to, to purchase you, purchase you from, from every lawless deed, and watch this, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. That's, that's precisely what Peter is saying, to purify us, to deal with your sin, to, to make you a new person, to transform you, to change you, to get you as far away from your old sin as possible. If, if you believe that Jesus died to deliver you from your sin, then how can you continue living just like that. It doesn't make sense. But when you are out of fellowship with the Lord, you don't think like that. When you're out of fellowship with the Lord, you, you tend to forget this most basic of spiritual truths. I'll tell you, um, when I shortly I came to faith in, in Christ as a student at the University of South Florida, God sent a young man into my life who, uh, if, if I could say anybody discipled me, he did. It wasn't a, a formal discipling process, but uh, this young man was instrumental in, in my spiritual growth, and he taught me many things, and he, he got me involved in meeting people and uh, really was helpful in my spiritual life. But there was a time in his life that he, he went far away from the Lord. And I had the privilege of talking to him and helping him, ironically, kind of get back years later, get back on track spiritually. And uh, he started asking me questions about the Bible and spiritual truth that were so basic that it was like I wasn't even talking to the same person that I remembered years ago. You see, once he got out of fellowship with the Lord, he forgot basic spiritual truth, things that he had taught me, quite frankly. But he forgot these things. He, he wasn't even sure about his salvation. He wasn't even sure exactly what is salvation. I mean, there was a, that's what Peter is saying. When you live for yourself and you're out of fellowship with the Lord, you will fail to remember even the most basic of spiritual truths. And the most basic of spiritual truths is that Christ has saved you to purify you from your sin. And why don't we see this? Because our sight is focused only on the pleasures of this world. Your nearsightedness causes you to fail to see your need to live for Christ. So why is it important that you and I grow spiritually? According to Peter, the reason is this, so that we are useful and productive in our lives for the sake of Jesus Christ. And I would hope that you want your life to count for him. I would hope that that's the greatest desire in your heart. 
I mean, I remember coming to Christ when I was 18 and thinking, you know what, Lord, I have for 18 years, I have done whatever I wanted to do. And, uh, and I've messed up my life. I want you to lead. I want my life to count for you. And I think that should be the desire and thought of every uh, born again person. Useful, productive. You don't want at the end of your life to, to think of it that it was just wasted. That, that's not what God wants, and that's not what's best for you. We are to give glory to God by producing fruit. And we also want to grow so that we don't become blind to spiritual reality, so that we remember what life is all about, so we re- remember that Christ has saved us so that we wouldn't live anymore for ourselves, but for him. The person who isn't growing is just put out of his mind that he's been converted to Christ, so he, he lives just like an unbeliever. And that's why it's so hard to tell some believers apart from unbelievers. But that's abnormal. That's wrong. So in the broad picture of these verses, what we have seen is two key truths so far. One is the requirement for spiritual growth is what? You tell me. You have to look at your notes, don't you? Diligence. Number two, the reason for spiritual growth is usefulness. Usefulness. Now, there's a third key truth about spiritual growth, and it's this. The result of spiritual growth is assurance of your salvation. Assurance of your salvation. Notice verse 10, just the beginning. Peter says, therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. Peter says, in light of the fact, and that's the therefore, in light of the fact that it is possible for a Christian to become spiritually useless and unproductive, blind and nearsighted, and even forgetful of their salvation experience, we should all be diligent to make sure that we're saved. That's what he's saying. The expressions, and let me explain this, his calling and choosing you refer to God calling you to himself at the time of your salvation. Now, let me just stop here and explain. When when the Bible refers to his calling, there are two types of calling. There is a general call that goes out to all who hear the gospel. When you and I witness to people, we give a general call. That's the general call that goes out to everyone. All are invited to come. But there is a specific call that that goes out only to those who God has chosen for salvation, who will be saved. Theologians call this the uh, irresistible call. When you came to faith in Christ, it's because God called you in such a way that uh, that it, it was irresistible. You you couldn't resist it. You didn't want to resist it at that point. That's what he's talking about here. His calling of you. He called you to Himself at the time of salvation because watch this in eternity past. He chose you for salvation. He called you to himself in in time and history at a a point in which you accepted him. But he did that because in eternity past, he chose you for salvation. In other words, what Peter is saying is make sure that you are really one of his elect. Now, we don't have time, nor is it the purpose of of Peter to explain election to us. Peter assumes that his readers believe it because it's in the Bible. But the Bible does teach election. So I was telling some folks recently, election is a great doctrine of God's mercy. It has nothing to do, God is, people will accuse God of being unfair because he hasn't chosen everyone. Um, I don't know why he hasn't chosen everyone. I suppose uh, you can ask him when you get to heaven, but he has chosen some. But if he didn't choose some, no one would ever be saved because we don't want him. We're not interested in him. We're running away from him. No man seeks after him. We're dead in sins and trespasses before we're saved. You didn't choose him. He chose you. You would never choose him. Thank you. There is uh, 
Glad somebody believes that. The Bible teaches election. We don't understand it. I think we're troubled by it because we have a difficult time reconciling, in fact, an impossible time, reconciling God's sovereignty and election and human responsibility. Don't try to reconcile them. Like Spurgeon once said when, when someone asked, how do you reconcile those two things? He said, I never reconcile friends. They're friends. Just leave them the way they are. Preach election and preach human responsibility and God will take care of it. Right here, Peter is telling us that we are to make sure that we are one of his elect. Now, it's not for for God's sake that we do this because God knows who the elect are, but it's for our sake. We need to make sure that we belong to him. He already knows who he's elected to salvation, but the way that you and I can know that we are his elect is because we see some spiritual growth in our lives. That's exactly what he's saying. We see the evidence of some progress, maybe not as much progress as you'd like. And I don't know anybody who sees as much progress as they'd like. We're all dissatisfied with our spiritual growth in that sense. But if you see some fruit, some evidence of of Christ's life, some of these virtues moving in you and through you, then uh, that growth reveals that you do belong to the Lord because unbelievers don't grow spiritually. Unbelievers don't grow spiritually. So just as physical growth confirms that you have physical life, so spiritual growth confirms that you have spiritual life. There are some people who ought to be very concerned about this issue of assurance because they are like the, like the people that Peter described in verses 8 and 9. They don't see growth in their lives. The virtues that Peter has mentioned are not evident in them, and therefore the possibility exists that either they are believers who are out of fellowship with the Lord and acting like unbelievers, or they may very well be unbelievers who have never been converted. And and that's a precarious situation. And that's why you want to make sure that you're really saved. See, you, you cannot have biblical assurance of your salvation apart from seeing spiritual growth in your life. I know this from my own experience for, for years, in the early years of my Christian uh, life, I really was troubled about assurance. And I tried, tried to go back and think of the time I was saved. And you know what? What troubled me is that I don't know the date of my salvation. I can't pinpoint an exact day. There was a general time period where things made sense to me, but uh, I can't pinpoint a time and, and day. And so I, I used to think, well, if I can't pinpoint that time, maybe I'm not saved. And look at my look at the sin in my life. Uh, an unbeliever, a believer couldn't possibly do this. And, and so I, I was troubled. And some of you are troubled by this. Listen, this ought to untrouble you. This is a verse that can give great comfort and assurance and doesn't have to trouble you. This verse is saying, and it's these truths that settled the question in my heart because I did see growth in my life. I did see change in my life. And uh, I just believe what the word of God says. If there's growth and change and evidence of, of spiritual life, then you know that you're a believer. You don't have to doubt. The problem is sometimes there are people who have uh, so little growth in their lives or no growth at all that you'd like this verse to shake them up. And they're the ones who are usually pointing to other people's lives. This is a verse, notice, it says, make sure of your election calling, not somebody else's. There are people who are great fruit inspectors of other people, but they're not inspecting their own fruit. Make sure of your calling and election. Many different Bible verses uh, come at it from from different standpoints, but saying the same thing. For example, in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Paul said, examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. James, this is what he meant when he said, faith without works is dead. 
faith that doesn't produce works is dead. We're not saved by our works, but true faith produces godly works. The Apostle John said uh, many times in 1 John, he said that uh, you can know that you know him because you keep his, his word, you obey him, or you love the brethren, or you, can, you confess your sin, or you hate your sin. Listen, this is how you know that you're saved. There is spiritual growth. Too often we hear if someone wants to get assurance, well, think back to when you were saved. Uh, that, that is not what the Bible teaches. In fact, there are some who were saved at such an early age, they don't ever remember a time not being believers. What do they do? They can't think back to a time. No, is there evidence in your life now? It really is academic as far as when you accepted Christ. God knows that. And there was a time, but you may not be aware of it. But you are aware whether there's growth in your life. So, so settle that issue. Settle that issue. But if you have never seen growth in your life, then you do need to turn to him for salvation. If you have never, you claim to know Christ, but you've been living a long time without ever seeing growth, then this verse ought to shake you up. And you should, as Peter says, make your election and calling sure. But if you see growth in your life, then rejoice. God has given you the assurance then that you are his child and you don't need to doubt anymore. You need to claim this. This is a, this is a valid claim by, by faith, this, this promise. Peter states that if these virtues are there, then you know that you are a believer. And you know what? It means that you're going to go to heaven when you die and spend all of eternity with the Lord. Notice, this is why he says what he writes in the end of verse 10. He says, for as long as you practice these things, these virtues he's talking about, this this growth, you will never stumble. Peter states that if these virtues he's mentioned are are practiced by you and are a part of your life, then you'll never stumble. Now, what does he mean by stumble? Oftentimes, this word is used in the Bible to speak of, of sin, but that can't be the meaning here because Peter would not say, well, if you see spiritual growth in your life, then you'll never sin again. That can't be what he means. What he does mean here, and, and I believe the Greek language is very clear on this, it's what we call uh, an aorist tense, which means there's a finality. It, it's not present. It's not continuous. It's, it's something that, uh, that will happen in time and, and place, and there's a finality to it. And that's what the language brings out. He's talking about a fall that is a, that is a final fall, not stumbling and getting up again. He's talking about a, a, a grievous fall, a fall from which a person never gets up. In other words, those who are really Christians who do evidence their relationship with Christ by growing spirit, uh, spiritually will never experience a fall that will keep them from going to heaven. That is to say that their salvation is secure forever. It's just what Jude said and meant when he said, now to him who is able to keep you from falling. You will never fall. A true Christian will never fall from grace. Salvation is forever, but it has to be the real salvation. That's why Peter concludes this section with the word about the rich welcome to heaven. He's talking about not falling, making it all the way on your journey to heaven. And that's why wonderful words in verse 11, words that ought to bring great rejoicing to each of us. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. You know what he's talking about? Not only will true believers go to heaven, but there's going to be a rich welcome. A rich welcome. Jesus is going to be there. The angels are going to escort you to heaven and they'll be there and rejoicing and you'll be warmly welcomed by Jesus as he says, in effect, welcome home. Let's bow for prayer. And not just bowing for prayer, not just... Uh, closing our eyes and praying, but I want us to meditate and think about this. This is one of those defining moments in your life, in the life of our church, 
where those who perhaps have struggled with assurance can be assured, and those who are not growing can be motivated to grow, and those who are not saved can be drawn to the Savior. Is there growth in your life? Those of you who claim to know Christ, is there this kind of growth? If there is, then take the assurance that God has given you. Don't reject it. Take that assurance, regardless of how you feel. We don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith. You've seen changes in your life. Others have seen changes in your life. Praise God for it and and press on with assurance. But some of you, have you claimed to know Christ, but there is no growth, never been growth? then you need to come to him. Regardless of of praying by your bedside or praying with mom and dad or praying with a Sunday school teacher, if there's no growth ever, then you never really trusted Christ. You said words that sounded like that, but you never did. But what about the person who, there has been growth in the past, but not much now. Not growing very much. Lethargic, spiritually inactive. You need to get on the ball with this because your life is counting for nothing. God is not glorified. You need to grow spiritually so that you'll be useful and productive. You don't waste your life. Yes, you'll you'll get to heaven, but your rewards won't be as great. And you'll be so disappointed, if I could put it that way, that you didn't live for Christ and grow like you should down here. So I'm going to give us a few moments to think, meditate, pray on this. Father, I thank you that the word of God is so pointed and and clear about this. Lord, thank you for speaking to us on such a a vital issue. I realize that there are some Christians who do lack the assurance of salvation, how I struggled in the past, and how Satan tempts us in this area, and our own flesh rises up to even accuse us. Father, I pray that this would settle it for, for many, and they would have true biblical assurance not a false assurance based on some kind of past experience that may or may not be valid. But I also pray for, for Lord, that believer who has not been growing, that they would be diligent, that as Peter exhorts them, they would obey and they would apply all diligence to growing so that they'll be useful and productive and and not blind to why you save them. Lord, may may we be as far away from our sin as, as we possibly can. So I pray for that Christian who's out of fellowship with you, Lord, who's in a season of carnality, that they truly will repent and make sure nothing blocks them from living for you. I do pray, Lord, for the person who has really never trusted you. And uh, it's been years and and there's been no growth. I do pray that you'll help them to not be self-deceived and even satanically deceived. A person who, Lord, perhaps is very proud and and even has a lot of knowledge about the Bible, but has never truly humbled themselves to turn from their sin and submit to Christ and his lordship. I pray that you'll draw them to yourself. So Lord, I ask you to take these verses, this message, and apply it precisely where it needs to be applied. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you know for sure that you have eternal life? At the start of our program, I mentioned the Apostle John's three tests. In chapter 5, near the end of his letter, John said in verse 13 that he had written the letter so that those reading it who put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ could know that they have eternal life. I used to wonder about that because so many people talked about the day they prayed the prayer of salvation. I couldn't remember that day. 
(laughs) Then I discovered that it's not about the prayer. It's about the belief. Do you believe or don't you? That's the deciding answer. If you have questions about how to be saved, I'll have a phone number for you in just a moment. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, and our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Find out more at lakesidechapel.com. Here's that phone number if you want help with knowing Jesus, 727-441-1714. Or if you'd like to help support this ministry, you can give by phone at that same number, 727-441-1714. If you're more web-oriented, we have a safe and secure giving page at our website, versebyverseradio.org. We thank you for your prayers and your gifts. Oh, and there's also a message archive page with all of our previous broadcasts available to stream or download at no cost. One neat way to take advantage of these files is to listen while driving on a vacation. A while back, I downloaded a whole series and listened in the car as we drove to Arizona. That was way better than trying to find talk radio stations. Uh, Once again, that web address is versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. Next time we meet... Pastor Steve will continue on in 2 Peter as Peter focuses our attention on the last days and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you can be here for that. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse. If you're concerned about Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.